Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970 sitcom, Mash. I'm Ethan. And I'm Vanessa. Vanessa, instead of an episode of Mash or any Mash visual media, we are discussing a novel today. Um, the novel that started it all, the one that birthed all of the future adaptations. So <laughs> I wanted to ask you, uh, do you consider yourself like an avid reader? How often do you, uh, do you read books? <laughs> well, I think you may have asked me that question once before on a normal episode of our podcast. <laughs> and my answer to that being, I consider myself a reader, but because I'm in law school, all I get to read really is like Supreme Court legal opinions, which can be very interesting, but also I miss books sometimes. <laughs> So I do consider myself a very avid reader, but unfortunately not of the type of material that I typically like to read. So this, this episode was a treat for me because I got to read a physical novel. Now that you say that, I do think I've asked you that question before, but whatever. It's all, it's all new. It's a new episode. It's a new question. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, still the same answer, honestly. <laughs> As for me, I do read, but lately I've been reading just a lot of like graphic novels and stuff because that's kind of what I'm studying in school or going to be studying. So I'm trying to like envelop myself in that kind of uh, language of graphic novels to kind of have a frame of reference once I'm in school. And that mm-hmm. makes me feel like I'm not actually reading, but I am. I don't know. It's a it's a weird thing, you know, I'm... I'm kind of in between the reading stages of like, I should read more novels, but I've also read a lot of like comics and graphic novels right now. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not not reading, you know what I mean? <laughs> Similar to you. I consider graphic novels reading just in their own right. So I, I, I think that you are an avid reader, Ethan. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Anything to make me feel <laughs> uh, like an intelligent adult, I guess, if I can call myself <laughs> an avid reader to any degree. <laughs> There you go. So, today we are discussing the M.A.S.H. novel. So, in summary, M.A.S.H., a novel about three army doctors by Richard Hooker, follows Hawkeye Pierce, Trapper John McIntyre, and Duke Forrest during their time spent at the 4077th Mobile Army Surgical Hospital during the Korean War in 1951. They are talented doctors, but are often bored, frustrated, and jaded. So they goof around and try to get in and out of trouble any way they can. Vanessa, what did you think of the novel that started it all? So I should say that I have read this novel before. I actually did a school project on this book uh, once this before. This is an insane book grade. to do in a school project on. I know. Well, here's the thing is that I thoroughly enjoyed it so much more this time than I did when I was reading it as like a 13 year old because uh, so much of the stuff just completely went over my head. Um mm-hmm. You know, it was, this novel is older, so the prose and the structure and the kind of non-plot, it really kind of threw me off as a as a kid because I wasn't mm-hmm. used to that. So this, <laughs> this time around, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought that it was, uh, I thought that it was pretty fun. I liked it too. I liked it more than I thought I would because as avid listeners of the show would know, We were not big fans of the MASH movie by Robert Altman. Mm -hmm. So I kind of expected something like that, something a little more mean and aggressive. But 
this had its kind of transgressive elements to it, but it also was kind of optimistic in a weird way. Like you got a lot of them being good doctors, which I thought was just great to read through. You know what I mean? Um, I'm surprised that you like this as much as you're you're saying now, because I know with like movies and whatnot, you prefer like a hard three act structure where this is very episodic. So I'm a little surprised that you uh you kind of gelled with this as much as you did. I did. And I thought that um I guess I kind of knew going in. So my expectations were like tempered, I guess, because like you said, I I prefer a plot structure. Um, and this was very much devoid of any type of plot structure besides the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the forward kind of sets you up for an expectation of this is not going to have a plot. This is literally yeah. just the chronicling of basically what the author Richard Hooker went through when he was a doctor in the Korean War. So I don't know. It, it just it just really worked for me. And also it being the source material for a sitcom, of course, it was going to be like kind of episodic chapter by chapter um, yeah. that, that just kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. The novel being a sort of memoir, semi autobiographical experience really did make it like work even in the uh, like more dated and, you know, difficult parts of the novel like the ones that kind of didn't necessarily work in the the modern context it was like more Mm -hmm. acceptable because i was just kind of even though it was fictionalized it did feel like something that like actually happened you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um that whole thing of like knowing that this is based off real people to some extent these are real stories that happened to someone or you know collections of ideas and fragments of stories that happened Mm -hmm. made just the whole thing a lot more interesting than like the movie when those are you know transgressive stories but like reinterpreted by like a screenwriter an actor like this is so like straight to the actual thing that happened to a degree yes i agree with you and i think that what i liked about the book that i didn't so much like about the movie was the fact that the humor just worked for me I thought that the characters were so funny in this book. Um, not not crazy funny like, you know, you see in the sitcom, but the the humor in the book was so funny. And I guess I don't remember it being funny when I read it as a kid because I didn't really truly understand it. I yeah. liked the book because it was talking about MASH and I just liked the show MASH. So the funny parts were quite funny, minus certain things that were just that just didn't hold up today, like the sexism, the racism, that that type of thing. But other than that, I laughed out loud several times. Yeah, it's so dry and so sarcastic that the things that they end up like actually doing and the way that they like describe them just in this very flat manner, I thought was like really funny to read through and everything had this feeling of authenticity to it like even the more dated elements just felt very like these are the kind of jokes that people in this time period in this location like would make you know what I mean uh not Mm -hmm. to defend the more difficult elements of the novel but it it did kind of work with the just authenticity for me yeah I agree I think that it was kind of easy to I mean not excuse, but almost overlook in terms of you're reading it and 
you're saying, okay, well, these are all white men from the mm-hmm. 50s. They are going to maybe hold some type of yeah. uh, realities that we know might not hold up today. So yeah. that was something that was almost, I wouldn't say easily digestible about the more dated parts, but kind of, kind of you're able to see past it, I think. So is there anything about the writing of the book, the structure, whatever, that you didn't particularly enjoy? Because I have some thoughts, but <laughs> I want to hear yours. I mean, the prose was a little like the general like way that things were like worded sometimes. It was like, okay, this is very 70s. This is kind of like how you wrote like an old book. I don't know. Just something about it kind of made it difficult to... uh to like physically read for me just like the punctuation i don't know if that's me being like a bad reader um but i have that trouble a lot with like older books of like just the way things are phrased and the way things are ran out i have a i have difficulty like interpreting on first go um but with like structure wise i really like the structure just how episodic it was how like every chapter was very self-contained and like very very uh fun to kind of be like okay what's this one gonna be about what's this one gonna be about and they didn't all work but i like how everyone just kind of moved on from another yes i agree with you writing wise i don't love that older novels sometimes do this thing where they have very unnecessary descriptions of things that are just kind of happening um that don't move the plot along at all and Mm -hmm. um to particular things come to mind there was one scene where they were golfing and then another scene that was a bit bigger at the end where they're playing football which was also featured in the movie I thought just was kind of boring uh like just that could have been cut out and I would have been okay with it like I said just because it it doesn't move the plot forward Uh, some of the medical stuff as well um but I thought more so these two particular scenes not that it was really bothersome, but it was just like, okay, I could have flipped the couple of pages and not missed anything, essentially. Yeah, yeah I get that. With the football scene um, in particular, that was probably my least favorite chapter of the book because it was just fairly dry descriptions of like this humorous football game. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about football. So all of the like, wacky plays that they did did not land for me as like hilarious (laughs) i was just like okay this is football and i don't know anything (laughs) about this game to interpret it as funny that's so funny because i think i was 13 when i read this book (laughs) for the first time and i was just like okay so are they doing something that's out of the ordinary for football and still upon reread of this book i was like Okay, so are they doing something out of the ordinary for the game of football? I'm a little bit confused, as you can see, as our listeners will probably know if they listen to us pretty consistently. We don't really do sports. We're Where? doing a podcast about a 50, 60, 70-year-old book at this point. <laughs> we're, uh, we're dorks. We don't go outside if we can help it. Um, and we don't play football. With valid excuses sometimes, but you know, football <laughs> ain't for us. No, I don't think so. I will say on the opposite end of that with the detailed descriptions, I really enjoyed the descriptions of 
like medical procedures in this this that was like yes really yes. so good to me because that's something you do not get from the tv show or movie just kind of this firsthand like actual authentic like okay this is what they're doing this is like the description of it uh i loved learning that kind of information that really hit my brain in the right way it's like oh this is just great to uh to go through i love this kind of information in any novel Yes, I agree with you. And that was one of the things that I actually kind of preferred in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very much, um, you kind of got an insight into the structure of a day and kind of the, I don't want to say chaos of the shifts, but more of the dynamic of the workers and who was working and who was in charge at what time. And I get why they didn't do it in the show, because we're really only following a very few amount of characters. But I really liked how we got that look into what a more typical MASH unit would look like if it was fully staffed with as many characters as it should have. Um, So that, that was really interesting to me. Like, even them describing what roles everyone has, where in the TV show, they all just kind of are doing, you know, their various jobs, but it's never directly called out. But in this one, or in the novel, they describe certain characters as anesthesiologists, and some people are neurosurgeons, some people are are chest cutters, and, you know, just the more direct descriptions of everyone's like actual job in the facility was really interesting to me because that's something the show doesn't gloss over but doesn't really draw attention to. It's something you have to kind of already know going in. Yeah, I think that I also liked just the organizational structure of the MASH unit as well. I think that's what I was trying to say before. Um because we don't necessarily have day shifts and night shifts and nurses on one shift as opposed to the other and this and the other thing Mm -hmm. in the tv show because there's only basically four main character doctors um so it, it wouldn't work um so yeah that that's really what i liked most about the book versus the tv show i think yeah like that is a real highlight of the novel here when you're more familiar with the adaptations and speaking of the adaptations, um, how did you feel about the characters in the book versus the characters in the adaptations? Mostly the TV show, I think, you know, because we, we know our thoughts about the movie. <laughs> um, well, actually, to compare to the movie, because obviously the movie lifts a lot of like these stories, um, like a lot of these scenes from the book are just straight up like in the film. So my point of comparison more was how the movie characters acted Um, And I have to say that even though Hawkeye and Trapper and Henry were very different from like their their TV show and I guess movie adaptations, like Henry is straight up like a regular army guy, which I thought was very strange. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. not Henry at all. Um, It was like a nice blend of the more cynical version of these characters that are in the movie and the more like confident good guys that we have in the tv show it's like nice to see this kind of bridge between the two like where both adaptations kind of got their characterization from i agree i think that um because early on in the book i was kind of recognizing that even though these characters were very different from the characters 
in the show, I felt like the seeds were kind of there for mm-hmm. their characterization in the show um, in in a myriad of ways. Just first of all, I really liked how there was kind of this amalgamation of characters that were new like in the show, like BJ and you didn't meet him yet, but Winchester um, and... I thought that it was just super interesting to see them kind of born out of these characters that we got from the book, just Mm -hmm. with different names and kind of with similar personalities and whatnot. Um, I I thought that that was, first of all, just very interesting. And even characters like Henry, who are completely different, um, you can kind of still see where he's coming from in the show, because even though he's a lot stricter, He's still saying to Hawkeye and Trapper, like, hey, listen, I like Frank Burns might be really annoying or whoever might be really annoying, but you're going to have to deal with him because we don't have any chest cutters or we don't have any of these surgeons. Surgeons are hard to come by, but also he's kind of making sure that they can still like do what they want in a way. He's like letting them get away with crazy stuff because he knows Mm -hmm. that he needs them. So I don't know. I thought that it was it was very well done. I thought that the writers had a lot to pull from. Yes, but two things that I think we have to address directly is, first of all, Frank Burns, barely in this book. He's in one chapter. Yeah, just like in the movie. Yeah, he has like the biggest page to screen time glow up, I think, of any character in history. (laughs) My man is very, very minor in the novel, gets slightly expanded upon in the movie by kind of uh, fusing him with this other character, Hobson, who's also in one chapter. And then in the TV show, he's there. He's the Darth Vader of the show. Like, he's had <laughs> such a such an expansion. What an actual, like, king of adaptation, Frank Burns. <laughs> yeah, Frank Burns is kind of what I mean about the show taking inspiration from the book and how you can kind of see it because... I think that the character of Frank Burns was portrayed so well on the show with the little amount that he was in the book. Like in the one chapter that he was in, it was he was described as basically when he loses a patient, he either says, oh, it's God's will or he blames it on someone else. And I was like, oh, that's the most Frank Burns thing I have (laughs) ever heard. (laughs) That is so crazy. And I thought that it was just it was just so good it was so funny to see that this was the character of frank burns that i know from the show in book form it was just very it was very interesting distilled to his like raw essence that would be brought out like (laughs) over time because even in the novel like he's really not he has an affair with margaret right but he doesn't have like an actual relationship with her and Mm -hmm. you know the tv show kind of transforms them into like this annoying high school couple that everyone hates. Um, So it is just funny to see like the translation there. And I know you said that you have another point to make, but I just wanted to bring up Margaret really quickly because I, (laughs) I'll defend Margaret forever (laughs) because here I am about to defend her again. Um, (laughs) I thought it was really interesting and it made me kind of like, think about their characters on the show too in in a different more interesting way as well because Margaret is supposed to be this stickler for rules and army regulations and whatnot 
Um, not inherently necessarily a bad thing, like maybe a bad thing to our not so orthodox doctors that we get as main characters, but she doesn't do anything like particularly egregious like Frank Burns does where he, you know, makes some guy mm-hmm. cry by saying that he killed somebody. Um, yeah. which again, that was pretty what are Frank awful. Burns things to, isn't that such a Frank Burns thing to say? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but he's he's kind of turned up to eleven here. I feel like they do yeah. soften soften him a bit for the TV show. Yeah, I think that he's a little bit more incompetent in the TV show rather than just like straight up mean. Um, mm-hmm. But for Margaret, I thought that it was really interesting that she kind of just like flocked to Frank because it's established that she is this stickler for rules and whatnot, and she sees Frank being kind of like an asshole, <laughs> but mistakes it for them seeing eye to eye like she wants to make sure the unit runs as tip top as it can while frank basically disguises being mean to personnel who are lower in rank than him as the same thing Mm -hmm. um and she kind of has this stick up her ass right like tv show (laughs) margaret does but she does say outright even in the book to hawkeye that yeah, I don't think we're going to get along socially, but I'm going to make sure that I'm still a good nurse and that we're going to be able to like rely on each other. And I thought that that was, again, very much how Margaret, especially in the early seasons, kind of runs and how she operates. So I thought that that was really fun to see as well. Yeah, not to constantly compare it to the movie, but I felt like the book was a lot nicer to her here than in the movie. Yes, um, The yes. movie added a lot of... <laughs> Just terrible, terrible things that they do to this woman. Um, so I was like, nice to see that the book in its raw form is a little closer to TV show Margaret because I wasn't expecting that. That was kind of what I was holding my breath on uh, the most. Of like, mm-hmm. okay, how are they gonna treat Margaret here? But she's she comes out pretty okay in this compared to uh, the the film. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. So I wanna I wanna circle back to the second point that you were gonna make. I'm so sorry to oh, yeah. derail us. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um I just have to point out how different Trapper is here. I felt like he was such a different guy in the book compared oh, to yeah, for sure. the TV show. Because first of all, like he is the head doctor, like he's the best surgeon there. He's just characterized so differently. And that's like what I had the biggest hurdle in my head, like, getting over, trying to, like, picture the characters, you know? Because I kept picturing Wayne Rogers, but it was like, this is not, like, the the <laughs> trapper that I know. Like, I don't kind of, yeah. I don't know who to picture here. Yeah, I agree. That's what, that's what I meant about the characters kind of being an amalgamation of all of these characters from the book. Like, I can see so much of Trapper being trapper and duke in the tv show Mm. and that's what i think is interesting even though trapper john himself in the book is quite different than trapper john in the show i do think that he is just kind of meshed into duke and trapper in the show so that well i keep saying it's interesting but it was just really interesting to see these characters and like who they kind of are and who they aren't. I don't know. It was just fun. Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up, actually, because um, we're entering the new era of the show where BJ comes on and he's, you know, a completely invented character. He's not from the novel in any degree. And throughout the novel, I was like, oh, 
why don't they have like Duke come onto the show after Trapper leaves? Because he is more of Hawkeye's like actual kind of sidekick in the novel. Um, but I think that the reason why they they don't introduce Duke and instead invent a new character is because Duke is like straight up racist and that's his like character. <laughs> um, so what what are your thoughts there? <laughs> Well, they for sure didn't portray people from the South as looking very good. No, they did not. <laughs> um, I, think, I think that they even made some kind of reference to the KKK in Georgia. And I was like, ooh, this is yeah. so old. <laughs> it was a little rough. <laughs> it was. I think that even though Duke was for sure this kind of caricature of people from the South in the 50s, um... That's, again, what I kind of mean about Trapper kind of taking the parts of Duke and taking parts of Book Trapper and kind of becoming Show Trapper. Mm -hmm. Because I know that Wayne Rogers is from the South. He's from Alabama. And so you kind of get his little, like, Southern twang in his voice. Uh, So at least for me, I don't know if it's ever been fully established that Trapper is from the South in the show, but that's how I always kind of understood him. Um, and so I think that, like I said, the the show was kind of just picking and choosing these, these parts, these good parts, these parts that they wanted to portray of these two characters and kind of made him into Trapper. <laughs> yeah, I, I get you there. Um, it was funny, too. In one chapter, they describe him as having, like, really long hair and looking like Jesus. And I kept trying to picture <laughs> Wayne Rogers looking like that. And I'm like, his hair's too curly, though. He wouldn't look like that. <laughs> Speaking of, too, because um, Trapper is from Boston in the book. And this character that you haven't met yet is also from Boston in the oh, yeah. TV show. <laughs> And his last name is Winchester, which is where Trapper is supposed to have been from. Oh, that's so cute. I thought that, that was so funny. And also me just be like just completely outing myself as a complete nerd about <laughs> Nash, right? It's established in the show, Trapper says it, that he did his residency in Boston. So I felt like that was a kind of callback to the book character of Trapper that's- John as well. Oh, we love nerdy headcanons like that. I love that so much. <laughs> but also, I wanted to ask you, uh, do you have any like favorite chapters of the novel? Did anything really stick out to you in particular? So I have a couple, actually. Um, <laughs> okay, so the first couple of chapters, I felt like that was where the humor kind of was. I, I really like chapter four and chapter five because of the human sacrifice thing. That and was insane. Yeah, wasn't it? That was well, I I <laughs> was truly insane. I didn't remember that from my first read of the book, of course. Um, and then also the chapter with the depressed dentist. I think that they had taken either the depressed dentist chapter <laughs> with the Last Supper and whatnot and the the human sacrifice one and kind of put it together in a scene in the movie. I feel yeah. like I, I recall that. Those two chapters were just very genuinely funny to me. Um, a lot of the humor went over my head uh, when I was a kid with that one. So I thought that those were particularly funny. Did you have a favorite chapter in this? 
Yes, um, my favorite chapters, I think, were the least comedic. I liked a lot, because again, the the description of surgery is what I really connected with in the, the novel. Um, the chapter that was all about them having this, like, long-haul stint in OR, like, having to just have this extended period of oh, kind yes, of yes. Uh, wounded come in. And it was really interesting because it felt the most in line with like how they are in the show uh, where Henry, after a certain point, because of how long they are in OR, is like worried about Hawkeye, Trapper, and Duke because they're just being like regular guys because they're so burnt out from mm-hmm. uh, having to per- perform surgery that he's like, huh, why aren't they being crazy weirdos? There's something very wrong. We need to get them help. And I felt like that was very, uh, very Henry as I know him. And it was just, again, great to have all the actual like medical description. I love that authenticity of it. That was probably my favorite chapter. Or, and we could talk about this in a bit, um, if you want to have like a more extended discussion about it. I also loved the last chapter. I loved like hearing them kind of actually go home because that's something that I am completely unfamiliar with. Like I have not Mm -hmm. ever seen these characters go home. So it was like really fun for me to hear them be like, oh, how do we adjust back to being like regular men in the like United States? I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I want to I want to save that discussion for um, maybe a little bit at the end, but I agree with you. The chapters where they were taking on so many wounded and then they were extremely burnt out afterwards um, to the point where Henry was talking to Father Mulcahy and saying, you know, I can't believe that I'm letting them act this way. And they started kind of getting back into the groove. And Father Mulcahy says, well, if you weren't going to let them act this way, they were going to have a mental breakdown. (laughs) And I Mm -hmm. thought that that captured just what we have been saying also about the show since the very beginning that Henry is kind of understanding that they need to blow off this steam or they are going to have a break and they were close to it and so it was it was almost (laughs) validating for me as a critic of mash to see that that was kind of what the source material was also saying i really i just enjoyed that a lot yeah one thing that i really appreciate about the book was that it directly states that hawkeye duke and trapper are doing the absolute best that they can because that means like them being good doctors gives them license to kind of do whatever they want. And because they're doing such a good job in such a stressful environment, uh, Henry just has to put up with that. And we've talked about that a lot. Like that is kind of like the plot Mm -hmm. of a lot of the episodes of the TV show where they get off the hook because of their like doctoral skill. But it was just funny reading the first chapter and Hawkeye, like, explicitly saying, like, hey, yes. we're doing a good job here. We'll be off scot-free. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I really liked that, where he was, he really just laid it out in full terms. Like, we're going to outclass all the other talents, so we can just do whatever we want. I loved that, because it's mm-hmm. such the show for me. Yeah. Uh, it was, that was so good. Mm-hmm. 
One of the other things that I really liked, one of the other chapters, it was kind of a, it was kind of, um, I liked all the chapters put together. So I guess I just liked the book, but no, um, <laughs> in particular, I really liked chapters uh, seven and eight as well. And I, I didn't think I would like chapter eight, um, but I, I ended up really enjoying it. Because in chapter seven, that was the, ep- that was the episode, that was the chapter with um, Hojon and it kind of diverged from the show's canon of what we know Hojon did. Um, mm-hmm. So he was, and he ended up being drafted into the ROK and then he came back to the 4077 wounded and the guys were just like really serious about making sure that he survived and that he made it. And they were very much rallying to get him the money to go stateside because they, they knew that he had so much potential. And I loved the the care that they put into teaching him to read and to write and to perfect his English and stuff like that. I thought that that was just so sweet. Like the Hojon chapter kind of, reaffirmed to me that these characters are not just zany doctors who are good at their jobs and kind of like assholes in any other way but that they genuinely care and even like we said like duke who is overtly racist um he cares about hojon as well so i don't know i i just i really i really liked that part of it as well no it was really great to see hojon in the book that really surprised me and I, I genuinely really loved the amount of care that they had for him, like you did. Um, obviously, the first episode of the TV show is about raising funds for him to go to college, and that's kind of taken from uh, these chapters. And it was just like nice to see that level of adaptation. And again, because I was more reminded of the the film counterpart having this just genuinely sweet like kind of unironic like them doing a good thing for good like a good reason it clarified that the novel is a nice mixture of the like over kind of cynicism and nihilism that the Robert Altman film portrayed and the kind of hopeful optimism of like the good of humanity that the tv show would go on to kind of present yeah yeah definitely and speaking of that too, which is why I liked chapters seven and eight together. I don't know why, but I I wasn't really expecting any kind of commentary uh, f- that I could derive from the book, but I really did because after this one chapter with Hojon and them explicitly stating that their zany antics kind of took a backseat because they were really worried about him. Trapper and Hawkeye go to work on this congressman's son. And if you juxtapose it with the absolute care and worry that they had for Hojon, who is a Korean citizen and apparently a North Korean citizen at that because he was drafted into the North Korean army, um, as opposed to they're kind of they're kind of pointing out a little bit of hypocrisy there of calling up this great doctor to come and travel to work on and save this congressman's son who ended up not needing really extensive surgery mm-hmm. at all. Um, I would say they were kind of putting off those duties. They were saying, oh, well, if he dies, he's not even like our boy. So who cares, basically? And I thought that that was really, really interesting that they were kind of showing the audience that, yeah, 
this is who we're supposed to be caring about, this American soldier, this congressman's son, but look who we, like, truly care about. And I felt like that was reinforced in the end of this chapter as well, when they were basically having to, like, muscle their way into the army hospital to take care of this half-Korean, half-American baby and kind of save his life. And they were very much making it a point to say, yeah, that kid is fine over there, but this baby needs us right now. And we don't care what the color of his skin is. We don't care that he's Korean. He needs us. This kid is fine. We have to save the baby now. So I don't know. I I just really liked those two chapters put together. Yeah, I really liked those two chapters as well, especially the the chapter where they take care of the the guy's son and the baby that was very much like the the trapper and hawkeye that i i know and love you know they're they're kind of you know reckless and goofy but at the end of the day when somebody like needs them they're there and like Mm -hmm. it's great to see that characterization kind of established so early on um but with that I guess, other than the football chapter, do you have any, like, least favorite chapters that you want to point out, or no? Um, no, I think that it was the football chapter that I just really didn't care for. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the chapter where they say epileptic horror, like, 50,000 times, I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> I don't like this. Yeah, I think that as the book kind of entered the final third, it, to me... That was where most of like the racism, sexism kind of stuff kind of came in. So I wasn't I wasn't too hot about that. But Mm -hmm. that was kind of that was a little bit strewn throughout the book, um, concentrated at the end. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it was in a particular chapter, but yes, didn't like that as as one would probably figure out if you're a frequent listener of this podcast. (laughs) But I will say right before that, they talk about. Uh, the gang trying to like catch mermaids while this guy is like filling <laughs> in for Henry, and I thought that mm-hmm. was like pretty cute and funny. Um, before they kind of made it weird, but like them being like bros, <laughs> being like we're gonna catch mermaids, that was like very fun and very like silly for them to do and very in character for the later versions of uh these guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, so I know that you want to talk about the final chapter as well, because you really liked it. So what are your thoughts about the final chapter? It was just like interesting to see. I like that they were like so worried that they're lost at sea, kind of, that they have Mm -hmm. lost a bit of their, their normality in, uh, being these kind of wild, crazy guys that they don't know if they can go back to being regular people there's even like a hint of uh like ptsd when they hear i think a car backfire or something and they like hit the Mm -hmm. deck um and then they're so worried about like well once we're in the states will we ever see each other again like will we ever Mm -hmm. actually form these connections again and there's a lot of talk of like well we we have this experience that like no one else uh will ever have like very few people will understand what we've gone through and you're a person that i care about like so much like a family member and again 1950s like men don't express their emotions like this so hearing them kind of have these like genuine worried thoughts i thought was great and just something that you know, we won't get from the TV show for a long time because they they don't Mm -hmm. leave Korea for 
uh, 11 years <laughs> of real time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I liked that as well. Um, I think that that reminds me a little bit of the final episode with Henry when Henry gets his big goodbye. I think that that conversation that we had about Henry kind of not exactly wanting to say that he would miss Radar or miss anything about Korea because what does that say about him missing Korea? You know, he's not supposed to miss Korea. Mm -hmm. So that, that just kind of reminded me of it. I particularly liked how those conversations happened and I also liked how they they came back to America with no bells and whistles almost. Yeah. Um, because that's just how it was. Um, yeah. People just would get discharged and that would kind of be it. And the book itself set out to tell the stories of army doctors while they're serving in Korea. And that's it. When it accomplished that, it ends. And you see... You see the little scenes of uh, of Hawkeye hugging his kids, and that that was really sweet. Um, oh yeah, Hawkeye has kids in this, by the way. We haven't mentioned yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that it was really sweet to see this realistic portrayal of what it would be like to go back home. Yeah, um, like obviously because the TV show goes on for so long it kind of makes going home into this, like, enormous thing that, like, they're kind of trapped there for so long, but the book is pretty short. Like, it's only, like, 200-something mm-hmm. pages. So having them go home after a couple months and it be like, okay, we went a little stir-crazy, but it wasn't like we were there for 11 years. Um, it is kind of interesting to see that direct comparison. And, again... It's something that we won't get to see in the show for such a long time that me, like, having not seen the end of the show, it was just really interesting to see the side of these characters deal with this reality. Yes, I, I'm i glad that you kind of got to, got to experience the going home thing, even though you got to experience Henry and Trapper going home, but... I'm glad that you got to experience the the whole kind of thing happening. Well, you know, this going home was like a happy, normal occasion. The other going <laughs> homes I've experienced were sudden and sad. So it's like, okay, good. <laughs> going home is a good thing. They get to go home to their normal <laughs> lives and have wives and kids again. What a delight. Yay! <laughs> Very happy about that. <laughs> so something that really struck me this time, um, and I guess it's because I'm paying more attention to the plots of the show and and I'm reading a little bit more critically and understanding more of the book but I was just really surprised at how much of the book material made it into episodes of the show so I wanted to talk about those a little bit I know we talked about the characters but there were literal plot points that were absolutely sewn into the show from the book I'm excited to hear you talk about that because again what I was thinking about was the movie, because the movie lifted so many of these plots. So uh, enlighten me on the niche plots that they lift for the TV show. <laughs> well, it's it's a lot of stuff from the early seasons. No surprise there, right? But some of the stuff was more obvious. Like the Chief Surgeon Party was very much yeah. uh, like it was in Chief Surgeon Who, uh, even though it was Trapper instead of Hawkeye. The show, of course, lifted the Hojon chapter right out of the book with that plot. 
and even you know send it sending hojan to hawkeye's alma mater and raising the money and stuff like that 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 was of course a very obvious one um what i thought was a little bit less obvious was one of the chapters i think it was the chapter where they are saving the korean baby they're operating on the korean baby i don't know if you noticed this but they ended up blackmailing a a, a colonel or something like that and it just it reminded me of them blackmailing the cid officer in lip and it was uh it was so funny to see doesn't radar steal like hawkeye's blood in this yes that was another thing i was gonna say they (laughs) radar steals duke's blood actually so we we just we have it all we have it all all. come full circle oh man no that was some of this stuff was really funny to see like the the translation and how it is kind of more like niche little fragments of different parts being like snuck into uh future episodes of the tv show it's so funny yeah, and there there were other ones like with the trials of Henry Blake, where Henry has to kind of go in and explain himself to General Hammond um, and Hawkeye, and it was either Duke or Trapper had to rush in and be like, "No, Henry's a good commanding officer, actually." Yeah, and um, there was one chapter where Henry is temporarily reassigned, which is like, "Henry, please come home." And um, the guys from the swamp pretending to be have like psychiatric breaks to get R and R. I just, just so many, so many good ones. I just loved it. It was so, <laughs> it was so much fun. And one thing that we have to point out, even though that Hawkeye in this is fairly different from the Hawkeye in the TV show, he is in fact from Crabapple Cove, Maine. Something that he is <laughs> not in the TV show quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, not up until this point. We haven't gotten confirmation that he's from Crab Apple Cove and not Vermont. Um, so <laughs> that was fun to see. Very much so, yes. <laughs> so, Vanessa, I have one final question to ask you. Uh, as we <laughs> discovered in one of our episodes, there are many, many, many sequels to this book. And obviously, <laughs> I don't really know how they, they work, if they take place in Korea or if they like bounce around the United States. So I just have to ask, will you be reading uh, future installments in the MASH saga? (laughs) Honestly, when I have the time to read non-Supreme Court opinions, (laughs) I will absolutely read the sequels to the book. Specifically MASH Mania, um, I have a little bit of trivia about Richard Hooker coming up so i will discuss that a little bit more in depth but specifically i really want to read mash mania yeah absolutely that would be so fun i want to read the future books as well because they i imagine they're more fun mix of like the popular tv show at the time and Mm -hmm. richard hooker and his co-writers like own personal jokes and experiences that they're trying to weave into these uh, pre-existing characters. So uh, it seems like an interesting ride. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm excited. Maybe another bonus episode. Perhaps, perhaps. There are a lot of them. So that might be, that might be what we're doing from now on. <laughs> so Vanessa, you said that you have some trivia on uh, Richard Hooker, the author of the novel. So why don't you tell us a little bit about him now? Yes, I am so excited because I found out so much stuff about him that I didn't know before. So, Richard Hooker is the nom de plume of author and doctor Heister Richard Hornberger Jr. 
That's a name. Okay. That is quite a name. I'm that that was one thing that I for sure didn't know. Um so Hornberger was born in Trenton, New Jersey, like all the greats are. Whoa, wait, we have a king yeah. in our midst? Amazing. We do. We do. Hornberger went to college in Brunswick, Maine, and he went to Cornell Medical School. After graduating from medical school, Hornberger was drafted into the Korean War and was part of the 8055 MASH. So as we know, um, the book MASH is based on his experience as an army doctor in a MASH unit. So according to Hornberger, many of the surgeons at the MASH were young and rather inexperienced with surgery. So that I feel translated into some of the book. We de- we definitely kind of understood that they weren't specialists in a mm-hmm. lot of these areas that they were working on. I mean, they were only 28 and there was a whole chapter yeah. about them trying to train other people to do meatball surgery, mm-hmm. which is another one of my favorites in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I th- I feel like that was a particular um, real point in the book and his experience. Hornberger also said that they could see as many as 1,000 casualties per day. And apparently, again, according to Hornberger, they had long stretches where they had no casualties at all and then would suddenly get slammed with them and work many hours, uh, many long hours over many days. So I think that that is such an interesting part of the book, the show, the movie, when they're not working, that is Mm -hmm. very typical. So that's something that I didn't know. Yeah, that is very interesting that they did have this kind of downtime and boredom. Keep uh, keep going. I want to I want to learn more. Yeah. So, and according to people who knew Hornberger, he was a very good surgeon with a great sense of humor. So, I it makes sense that he uh, you know, wrote this really funny book. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, he called his tent the swamp and had a sign that read the swamp on his tent. <laughs> oh, we love that. We love that that is so true. cool, right? So, and this was another thing that I kind of I guess I intuitively knew, but I got confirmed to me in my research. So, Hornberger actually admitted Hawkeye is essentially his Mary Sue character, his mm-hmm. like self-insert character. Um, and there is honestly a lot of similarities between Hawkeye's life and his own, um, like going to college in Maine, calling his tent the swamp because of where he lived in Maine in college, stuff like that. So I think that that is that's pretty fun. That's pretty interesting. We love thinly veiled <laughs> self-insert characters uh, in yes, this house. Yes, yes. <laughs> so after the war, Hornberger began compiling his memories first into a memoir, and then he wrote the novel M.A.S.H., uh, Hornberger was reportedly mad he didn't sell the screenplay rights to MASH for more money after its commercial success. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Yeah, super fair. So I also knew this, but I didn't know particularly why. So Hornberger said that he liked the movie adaptation of MASH, but he didn't care for the show in particular, and he didn't like Alan Alda's portrayal of Hawkeye, which I knew that he didn't care for the show. I knew he didn't like the show. But it kind of makes more sense now if Hawkeye is his self-insert character and um, Alan Alda is not portraying him as he would want to be portrayed. That makes complete sense why he wouldn't like it. Hey, man, sometimes the author is wrong about what the good adaptation is. <laughs> also see uh, Stephen King not liking The Shining. I mean, the, the man, you know, authors don't always know what they're talking about. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Even though I take Stephen King's side with The Shining, but okay. All right. Okay. Okay. (laughs) 
So this is what I thought was really interesting um, that I didn't know before. So Hornberger said he did not understand why MASH, the movie and TV show, were lauded as these anti-war media phenomenons because he said he never intended for the book to be politically motivated at all. And he also disagreed with anti-war sentiments. He said that he wrote the book to show the realities of war, what the doctors went through. And I suppose from a very non-nuanced perspective um so yeah so i thought that that was that was pretty crazy that's really interesting isn't it yeah i feel like a lot of authors are like that when their work gets interpreted and it has this kind of clear message and they're like oh i never intended for that but it's always like in the actual like subtext like i know the author of lord of the rings is also that way Mm -hmm. and i don't know it's always funny to me when there's these very politically motivated like readings of anything and then the guy who wrote it's like no i didn't mean for that but it's also like i don't know everything's valid every reading is valid if you want to look into these (laughs) political subtexts you can yeah i think that um and not to not to put intent or words i guess in hornberger's mouth but i think that a lot of the times even if you don't think that the world around you is affecting you it is mm-hmm. <laughs> in in some of your you know art or writings or whatever yeah. it is i think that that's like a, a pretty big you know you, you can't be devoid of the entire world yeah. and i don't know i i don't know so i i didn't know that and i thought that that was that was really cool nothing exists in a vacuum it's always kind of commenting on the author's lived experiences and it's just it's funny that he's like, no, I didn't mean for any of that. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's just one of the the great joys of reading, I guess, when he could be like <laughs> fully disagree with Mr. Creator of the material. <laughs> hey, and that's art, right? Uh, it's always up for interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what I meant when I said I specifically want to read Mash Mania because... Um, the only other novel Hornberger wrote was the Mash Mania novel. Um, even though the other sequels credit him as a writer, they were entirely written by the co-author oh. William E. Butterworth. Yeah, so I, I believe I came across in my research that basically they they just wanted kind of tie-in novels almost. I think with the uh, with the TV show, it wasn't entire. It wasn't exactly a tie-in novel because I think that it featured a lot of the characters outside of Korea. Mm-hmm. So it was trying to kind of capitalize on the popularity of the TV show at the time. That's really interesting. There are very few media properties that I imagine have that kind of lineage. Yeah. <laughs> so that's super interesting. I'm sure we'll talk more about those novels once we, uh, we, we get there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So after the commercial success of MASH, Hornberger continued to be a surgeon until his retirement in 1988. And after his retirement, he did medical research and published peer-reviewed articles in medical journals. And Hornberger passed away on November 4th, 1997 of leukemia. And as I am with every single person that I research for trivia, I am so glad that I got to know a little piece of this man's life it was it's yeah he's the one who started my obsession with mash because if this book hadn't happened i wouldn't be uh the mash fan that i am so thank you richard hornberger yeah no i love hearing all the trivia that you bring and of course richard hooker richard hornberger whatever we may call him has such an important part of the mash legacy that i'm very glad that we got to read this novel and learn about him. 
because it's it's very interesting and he seems like a very interesting and complicated person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so Vanessa, what is your rating of this book overall in martinis, of course? How many martinis would you give this novel? Oh boy. <laughs> That's actually a really tough one for me because as much as I did like this book, it was very hard for me to objectively think of this book because I was trying so hard to see the connection between the TV show and the characters I knew from the TV show. So I think that I would go probably like a 3.5 martinis out of 5 on this book. Um... Just because I had some gripes with it, it wasn't, you know, it certainly wasn't the best book I've ever read, but it, it was it was a pretty entertaining time, I have to admit. This will be a rare day, but I fully agree with you. Um, I feel like this is a wow. solid uh, 7 out of 10 martinis in a water glass, as described in the novel. They don't drink it out of <laughs> martini glasses, which I thought was very funny. But yeah, 7 out of 10. I liked a lot of what this was doing. But again, me actually like reading it, there's just a lot of like prose and punctuation where I'm like, this this could be stronger. Um, and I didn't like laugh out loud a lot like you did. I was more like picturing all the connections to the future media as you were. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think a 7 out of 10 is a very solid rating for this novel maybe we'll like the future novels done by ghost writers more who knows <laughs> maybe maybe who knows <laughs> so just to wrap up we'd like to give thanks to you jacob for your about covering our technical consultant vanessa's sister melissa for awesome cover art and of course our listeners links to our music social media and contact with the show are in the description as always and join us soon for season four episodes one and two Welcome to Korea. But until then, play some football. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. You can't end it on play some football. There's no way.